This episode of That's What She Said is brought to you by Audible. Go to audiblepodcast.com slash she said for your free audiobook download. This episode is also brought to you by Netflix. Head to netflix.com slash TWSS for a completely risk-free 14-day trial. Hi, this is Brian Baumgartner from The Office, and you're listening to That's What She Said. That's What She Said, Episode 68, Dream Team and Michael Scott Paper Company. Wow, that is really hard. You really think you can go all day long? Well, you always left me satisfied and smiling, so... That's what she said! (laughs) Suicide doors on my 57 Chevy Roll around town like a hero I got you on my mind Just like all the time Pedal down, nowhere to go And welcome to episode 68 of That's What She Said, a podcast about the Emmy Award-winning NBC show, The Office. As always, I'm your Human Resources Coordinator, Matt Summer. And this week, we're going to be taking an in-depth and spoiler-filled look at the 20th and 21st episodes of Season 5, entitled Dream Team and Michael Scott Paper Company, which originally aired Thursday, April 9th, 2009. Michael has taken that job and forcefully shoved it, and now it's time to assemble the Dream Team that will take the Michael Scott Paper Company straight to the top, with Nana's help, of course. Unfortunately, just like a peanut butter and tuna sandwich, sometimes your dreams don't turn out quite the way you'd like. Back in the office, Jim sucks up, then runs down. Dwandy form a musical bromance while fighting over the new receptionist, and Flenderson shares a bit of bathroom banter. Remember, you miss 100% of the pancakes you don't make. Lots to discuss, lots to talk about. Let's head on over to the water cooler. It's a real shame, because studies have shown that more information gets passed through water cooler gossip than through official memos, which puts me at a disadvantage, because I bring my own water to work. Why'd you do this? I didn't do it. Oh, the water cooler was brought over here for maintenance. So what do you guys hear? What's the scuttlebutt? And after my last uh, week-long absence there on vacation in Mexico, I have yet again returned to the wonderful world of that's what she said to put out another double episode here with my dear friend, Kevin Crossman. And while I was away, Kevin was in charge of the blog page and everything. That's what she said related. And, well, how did Kevin do by himself? I think Kevin is doing exactly as well as anyone <laughs> might have expected someone like him to perform in a position like that. So there you go, folks. <laughs> Hola, Matt. Welcome back to civilization. Thank you. So, uh, Kevin, you, you, you want to hear about Mexico? Yeah, sure. Oh, man. It was indescribable. Oh, it sounds awesome. <laughs> it was. So, I have to ask you, Matt, how many, uh, you know, what kind of uh, desktop wallpaper do you have on your computer now? Uh, any pictures of any senoritas there with you? Well, unfortunately, I'm not as, you know, I, I didn't have the blonde hair, so I'm not quite as adept at uh, picking up naked chicks as Ryan, apparently. Well, I've had enough margaritas, daiquiris, and uh, dirty monkeys to last me quite a while. So enough about that stuff, Kevin. Let's go ahead and get back into the show. Like I said, I was in the chat room with everybody on April 9th when these two episodes aired. And, um, you know, I said this then, and I said this maybe before last week, but I'm going to say it again. The beginning of season five, I had some doubts. Wasn't really too happy with the whole Pam and New York plot line. 
wasn't really enjoying that whole direction. And I was starting to question myself, you know, eh, where's this season going to stack up in the, in the ranking of the other seasons of The Office? And I didn't know if this was going to work or not, but I got to give it up to the writers because, you know, we, we're harsh. We're harsh because we care. And we've <laughs> given them some business. We've given, we've given them some, uh, some grief over this last year and a half or so that we've been doing the show together. And I'm going to come right out and say it, that I, I, I got to give the, the writers some major props because I think this Michael Scott Paper Company plotline is just, to me, it's pure gold. And I think it is such a rich vein of new opportunity. It's uh, new types of jokes, new types of stories, new situations. It's gotten us out of that rut, that same old, same old of being in the office and just having, you know, variations on the same little character things keep popping up. So they've done something that I didn't think they were going to do. I've actually liked, 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 <laughs> I've liked episodes of The Office for about three or four weeks in a row now, Kevin, and I don't know when the last time that was that that happened. So well, I got to tell you, Matt, I am right there with you. I really like this plotline too. More importantly, all the issues you mentioned, but also it's not a stupid romance. Let's <laughs> get Andy and Kelly together. Let's get Kevin and Meredith together. No, let's have <laughs> something new and fresh. And I agree with you. This Michael Scott Paper Company is great. For a number of reasons, probably the most important is it's showing Michael many times being competent, uh, displaying the skills, sales skills that we kind of assume he's had, that we've seen from time to time, but uh, we've seen him actually pull together here in, in this Dream Team episode and really get on uh, the right track and get going with this new company. I, I'm just loving it. And although he's not my favorite character, I actually like that they're actually doing something with Ryan. He's on screen like all the time now in this <laughs> Michael Scott Paper Company, and I am enjoying that part at least for a while as well. So he's earning his paycheck finally, <laughs> in yes. your estimation. Well, as, as you know, one of the five co-stars. The one thing I have to say about B.J. Novak, and I, I didn't miss him, and I've talked about the fact that I've, I, I thought that they've really taken his character in a very cartoonish and crazy direction in the last two years. I don't think they're changing that at all in this episode, in, these, in this plot line either. So I'm really not loving him. I'm really enjoying the Michael and Pam interactions, actually. And I really actually wish that Vikram would have stuck around a little more, because <laughs> I think that would have been an interesting kind of stick in the mud to throw into things. Maybe that's the reason why he can't be there, is because he just is too logical or <laughs> too rational to fit in with that crew. I don't know. But Ryan, again... From the guy in season one and two and even season three, who was the, the temp that was kind of trying hard and, and wanted to be, he was like a normal guy. Well, here we again have, we go from the super crazy villain boss to the super crazy guy that he was at the beginning of season five. And he's still that same super crazy guy where he's just a total moron, you know, always just chatting with his friends, texting, uh, talking about doing donuts in parking lots. I, I'm finding him really actually very annoying. But I'm still enjoying the dynamic, I guess, enough. The little maybe brother and sister kind of bickering there with the hapless single father in the background. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we talked about Office's family, so maybe we've got a smaller family here. But it's still kind of the same dynamic, I think, that's going on. And I want to go back to that, what I said earlier is that I'm really enjoying the Michael and Pam relationship. And they've always had that kind of little relationship over the course of the series. 
and it's good to see it come back here because it's not one-sided. It's not like Pam bailing out the dumb Michael. She kind of steps up to help him. He steps up to help her. You know, they're really kind of buoying each other. And uh, you can sense that there is something there, that there is a friendship and something. There's, you know, one of the things that's been missing from the show, I think, has been a heart. And I think that the two of them, for whatever crazy reason, this is getting the heart kind of back in the show. I, I completely agree, and I think it was nice to hear Michael even call her a best friend because we've always kind of suspected that, uh, going back to the art show and even other episodes, and it was nice to see that kind of formally acknowledged. And, you know, I think that it, I think I think you're right about the brother-sister dynamic there with Ryan. I think that's great. The fact that he's regressed emotionally, well, kids, this is the danger of drugs. <laughs> so... Now, what do you think about this new use of Andy this season uh, with now Charles sucking up to the new boss and then his new best friend, Dwight? Well, i got to say that I think it's, again, it's refreshing. I think it's it's good to see Andy get back to the thing that made him funny in season three. I mean, that's what we liked about him, that guy that was the suck-up. He had his five-step plan for how to infiltrate and suck up to the boss, and I'm glad to see it. It's a new guy here stepping in, so fresh opportunity to take his place. Now, uh, that's a little bit tempered by the fact that he and Dwight aren't being rivals for Charles's uh, affection, although that does come up in the episode this week, uh, heavy competition. We'll be talking about that next time. But I don't know what I think really about this whole bromance thing that's brewing here. It, it does go back a little bit, though, again, to season, was it season three or season four where they did kind of have that little thing where Andy was sort of sucking up to Dwight. It's interesting. I'm always, I guess I'm always glad to see a little bit more of the uh, acapella make a return. Yeah. Well, I think Rain Wilson is doing a good job kind of keeping step in him with him on the musical stuff too. And I think that they're using Dwight in just the right amount in these past three or four episodes because there were too many episodes that were really centered on Dwight. And I like it better when he's in a kind of a smaller role, like, when he's kind of making these comments to Charles Minor about Jim or something <laughs> like that. I mean, that was just great the way they used Dwight in, in that uh, episode. <laughs> yeah, and Dream Team Dwight was his old, really kind of spoilery self that, uh, that we saw previous seasons where he's out to get Jim and he's sticking it to him any way possible. Yeah, uh, yeah wow, I didn't know you were such an accomplished player since you've never once spoken about it. Unfortunately, I guess for Jim, he's stupid enough to take the bait. And Dwight really is playing him like a cheap fiddle here in this episode. Yeah, he's almost getting kind of pranked by the Frankie. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I have to say, the Michael Scott Paper Company episode, what did you think of that new credit sequence? Uh, that was second awesome. Time <laughs> second time they've gone to a new credit sequence this season. I think that was great. I wish they would keep that until Michael Scott Paper Company runs its course. But uh, it was a great treat for that episode, for sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. It was a, and it was a total surprise to me, anyway, as well. I don't know if it was spoiled or that leaked out or anything to anyone, but I was totally surprised, and I thought that was a great little touch. I do think it took away from it a little bit because they had altered the, the credits so recently. It, it did knock it down just a little bit, but it was still pretty hilarious mm -hmm. with them fumbling around in that little closet. <laughs> With the poker table uh, work desk and all that stuff and, and just playing on those same themes that we've seen in the original credit sequence with the, the copier and the, the stapler and everything in there. So 
Well, and that's the copy or what that was, you know, they <laughs> yeah. threw away to get the new one. They get the, they get the one from the trash, and it's kind of a funny little inside joke. For exactly. Us. Well, well, that's the thing. We were wondering about that. You know, how we talked about how kind of silly that was, and I guess that was laid in there by the writers to explain how Michael could get a copier. <laughs> right. So again, I guess we have to uh, cut him a little bit more slack. This is all coming together. I don't know what it is with this plot line. If this just reinvigorated them. Or if this was really laid out or this kind of came together, it, it didn't, I didn't, I mean, we talked earlier in the, in the year that something was happening where Michael was unhappy and, and it was going to come to a head. We kind of thought that was going to happen, but this, this whole plot line just really surprised me. It's really come out of, kind of come out of nowhere to become a very, very solid plot line. So, um, Kevin, I want to read one thing though, because you and I have both really enjoyed this and we both called the show before many times when they've done kind of dumb things or over-the-top stuff. Um, I got a Twitter here from someone, uh, a listener named Doug Keklack, I think is his name, and he says, uh, when I tweeted that I was really loving these episodes, he said, really, just don't understand you sometimes. This Michael Scott Paper Company plotline seems like a cartoonish Thing, the same kind of shit that you hated before. So I don't know what I can say about that. Is this Michael Scott paper company plotline silly? Kevin, is it too ridiculous? Is it too cartoonish? Why are we enjoying this when we've gone off on such silly things in the past? Well, for one thing, it's not really a negative storyline like some of the relationshipy things have been. Um, you know, Jan and Holly and all the drama on all those kinds of things in the you know the love triangle. So you know, maybe that's part of it, but I don't think it's cartoony at all. I think, you know, there's aspects of it, you know, the fact that they're in this closet next to the bathroom, and <laughs> but it's not unreasonable, like, Michael might make a call, and some guy who hates Dunder Mifflin give him some space for free or whatever. Um, the fact that they'd run on a lean budget. I mean, certainly Pam has got nothing to lose. Ryan has got nothing to lose. So... I don't know. I don't know that it's that cartoony compared to some of the other stuff that we've seen. Even going back to you know the first season, there were cartoony elements a little bit. I mean, I agree with you. I think that on the scale of cartooniness, I mean, I don't see this as being that far off. They've got a really kind of crummy office, and well, what do you expect for a free office? They've got scavenged equipment. Michael's got the people that he can get for free that are kind of, you know, not maybe the best people <laughs> on the yeah. dream team. Uh, they spend a lot of time just sitting around and inventing things to do. And I don't want to get too much into this. I, I can't help myself because I keep thinking about I keep thinking about heavy competition for the, from this week. We're not going to be talking about that. But I just want to touch on that. Like that, that cold open sequence was just probably one of the most hilarious things, but yet real office-y kind of things that I've seen in a long, long time. So I, I love that. Yeah, and just going back to Dream Team or... Going back to Michael Scott's favorite company, you could see him coming in with a big jar of those cheese puffs. Uh -huh. so that was a little seed that was planted ahead of time as well. I, I do want to talk about a few things first that I've not been totally thrilled with. The one, one weird thing I had about this season so far in this Michael Scott paper company plotline is the fact that, you know, during season three when they moved Jim to another office, I kept thinking to myself, wow, this Grant, you know, the Stanford office is kind of boring. I don't want to see this stuff. Let's go back to the main office. This time, what I'm saying, I'm finding myself saying is. Wow, the Michael Scott Paper Company stuff is so interesting. I don't want to go back to the office because the office stuff that they're doing is not that interesting. 
Now, you kind of called me on that before. Some of the stuff is, yeah, Dwight and Andy stuff is interesting. Andy kind of playing the suck-up is interesting. But I got to say, I'm just really sick and tired of the whole Jim gets dumped on plot lines that we get every episode here. It's just, it's not funny. And it just, it doesn't really go, it's not going anywhere, I guess. So I'm... I'm really not interested in seeing that continue. Well, all I have to say is there better be some incredibly good payoff with Jim either coming through or Charles getting canned or I don't know what, but it sure better pay off in a big way or I'm going to be kind of pissed because I agree with you. This is It's unpleasant to watch Jim. You know, I was in love with him beginning of the season. He was such a cool guy. Now completely out of love with Jim, <laughs> Pam. She's right there for me now. <laughs> but we, you know, I've been, I had this theory when they made Stanley the um, productivities are that this was the, you know, this was brilliant mark, you know, management technique that you put the guy with the worst productivity in charge and that sort of gets everyone going. You know what? I think I was probably wrong. I think Charles just is clueless. He doesn't know how to manage people. He does not seem to manage Jim. He's never given Jim any time of the day. Jim's, Jim, you can never win with Charles. Are you working hard? Yeah. Oh, I'm working really, really hard. Oh, you're working hard on that? Well, I'm not working too hard. Oh, you don't have to work too hard then. You know, it's like, <laughs> what the hell do you want from me? I'm, do you want me to work hard? Do you not want me to work hard? It's just so frustrating. You wish Jim would get some damn balls and say something uh, or, you know, David Wallace to get a clue or whatever, but uh, got a couple of episodes. Maybe we will see what happens with that. Yeah, I maybe we can predict. I, the only kind of the only kind of I guess karmic revenge I could see is Jim taking his job. David Wallace is always showing such a you know taking such shine to Mr. Halpert there. So I don't know mm-hmm. what else could happen in this case. So we'll, I guess we'll have to see how this plays out. But I'm definitely definitely tired of it. And one of the things I have to say that I, I was really disappointed in is during the Michael Scott Paper Company episode, the the whole Jim plot line to me was a total ripoff of a Seinfeld subplot where George Costanza is given a task by his boss and he doesn't know what it is because he didn't hear the guy clearly. And he spends the entire episode trying to figure out what it is the boss wants him to do. And at the end, he doesn't do it. And nothing happens to him because it turns out the boss is senile and, and didn't remember what he said. And so, I mean, this plowing really, it, it struck me right away as almost the exact same thing. Miner brings out, oh, you, can you do the rundown? And Jim has no idea what it is and he doesn't ask. And so he spends the whole episode futzing around and then ends up, you know, faxing it to his father or something <laughs> at the end of the episode. And it just, I don't know. Jim has just become a sad sack. All right, well, so two thumbs up from both of us here on both of these episodes. Before we go into anything else, let's just talk a little bit briefly about the new actress that they hired to replace Pam as the receptionist. What did you think about her, Matt? Because she was kind of weird to me. Like, I, She just seemed like she was just mugging to the camera, making these really weird facial expressions and, and popping her eyes and everything every time she was looking at Andy at Dwight's wacky antics. She did seem a little weird. She definitely, I don't know, maybe... I was just mesmerized by the fact that she didn't wear any mascara and it just was bugging me. But, <laughs> yeah, it, she did have kind of, kind of a weird look. I, I, I'm willing to give her some time to see what they do with her uh, over a period of time, if she sticks around on the show uh, or not. But, uh, you know, I think in this case, she was just supposed to just stand there so that Andy and Dwight could compete for getting their blood going, so to speak, <laughs> or literally, as the case may be. So, 
you know, she in that in that respect she fulfilled her job, but not the, <laughs> not the most inspired choice as a receptionist, that's for sure. All right. Well, uh, credit wise, Dream Team was written by B.J. Novak, directed by Paul Feig. Michael Scott Paper Company, written by Justin Spitzer and directed by Gene Stupnitsky. So, I don't know, something's in the water. They're getting some kind of inspiration out of this. I, I hope they can ride this uh, really great plot line out for the end of the season. And I cannot wait to see what is going to happen in that finale that brings this all together. What was nice in this, these two episodes really did work together as a pair. It's kind of a bummer they were separated by half hour when you watched them on live TV, but... They really do work well together. It's not just the worst problem that we're having to review them both together here on the podcast. All right, let's go ahead and get into the different plot lines here. Uh, Dream Team basically broke down into two different plot lines. So let's just go ahead and get started with the Michael Scott Paper Company plot line here. And, of course, as we remember from last time, uh, Pam and Michael leave together to go off and form their own company. So here we are, first day at the new job, and Pam is full of piss and vinegar and ready to go. Today is my first day at my new job at Michael Scott Paper Company Incorporated. You know, Apple Computer started in a garage, and we're starting in a condo, so we already have a leg up on Apple. Oh, good. My hooker's here. (laughs) Michael, you were expecting me, right? Yes, I was. Yes, I was. Are you wearing anything under the rope? That is inappropriate, Pam. Come on in. You excited about the new company? Yeah, I'm excited to start the company. After breakfast. Michael, just stop for a second. Michael, stop for a no, second. No, I'm whipping up. No, I know oh you God, are. Just God, let me have... Oh, just give me... Fine. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't do this. This is pathetic, isn't it? I am such an idiot. I gave up the only job I ever loved to do this. I have egg in my Crocs. I thought that was brilliant the way that this was set up, that, you know, Pam is very kind of optimistic, and just right off the bat, Michael already realizes that he made a stupid, stupid mistake. Uh, he knows that he doesn't really know what to do, that he's really over his head, and it's very interesting the way the dynamic plays out, because Pam then has to, she has to be the one that gets him built up, and built, and, and you know, ready to go, and, and start to think about what's going to happen because she's kind of hitched her wagon to this really sinking star. Yeah, and Michael, of course, in this episode, a very a weird obsession with breakfast foods, too, which is <laughs> kind of strange. He had that giant stack of French toast. Uh, it was I really liked that opening sequence, too. I like the sort of reference to the Crocs. That would be exactly the kind of thing that Michael would wear. Of course, we also had the shot there of the groin again for Pam. <laughs> Yeah, so that's twice that Pam's seen his junk now. Um, I liked, I just, I thought that was really interesting, the way that it played out, like you said, with him showing his reluctance to get started by making this big breakfast, and he just keeps making breakfast, and as long as he's making breakfast, he doesn't have to start, (laughs) you know? So he's got, keeps whipping up more and more eggs and makes a bigger and bigger stack of French toast, and it just is so paralyzed kind of by fear that he'll do anything to put it off. Well, and then we, of course, we we find out that uh, you know he's got the letter from the condo association. He can't, and he has a little sign out in front of his house. Yeah, it's, it's like, a, like an Obama sign or something with <laughs> Michael Scott Paper Company stapled over at the top of it. Yeah, but you know, I really agree with you. I think Pam was just so 
cute and energetic in this opening sequence. And of course, this is the the opposite of what happens later in the episode, which Jenna Fisher has just been so great this season, in this episode in particular. It's like, okay, we're getting ready. Michael needs to get pulled up. Pan's going to do it. Let's go. I'm excited. Enough little jokes here in the beginning to keep me kind of smiling, giggling throughout. Um, that was good because, uh, you know, this could be depressing stuff but instead it was actually fun. All right. Well, Pam has to then figure out a way to get Michael motivated and offers him a little bit of advice. You know, Michael, when I feel overwhelmed, something I like to do is make a list. I need to find 100 clients. Michael, that seems impossible. It's totally impossible. We need to come up with one realistic thing that we could do today. Assemble a sales team, a dream team. Great. Okay, Ryan. No, what? Why? He's everything I'm not, and everything I am, it's a whole package. No, we're not going to hire Ryan. Um, oh, Vikram. Best salesman I've ever met. Okay. He worked at that telemarketing place. Oh, also, we have a meeting this afternoon with a potential investor. Really? Yeah. We have an investor already? Maybe. Barbara Kivas. She invests in local businesses. and. Michael, that's fantastic. Yeah, I guess it's not so bad. Got a few things cooking. I have doubts about this, too. But when one person freaks out, sometimes it weirdly makes the other one calmer. That's one thing I've learned about relationships. I hate that I just use the word relationship. At the end of the episode last time, we were making our graduate reference with Michael and Pam walking off into the sunset together. I kind of mentioned something about how it seemed kind of weird, like it should have been a relationship-y kind of thing. And that, Mm -hmm. again, right there, then she hit it right on the head, exactly what I was thinking. It is a strange, weird little relationship that they've got built up here. Um, What kind of relationship it is, I don't exactly know, and neither does Pam, obviously. One thing I want to say about this, too, is that we've we've jumped on the show for having bad continuity, and over the last few weeks, I don't know what they're doing or what they're putting in the water, but the continuity has been just rock solid in some ways. Uh, Here we have a callback to money where Michael was working at the call center. We get old, good old Vikram back in. That yes. was nice to see him brought back in. Um, <laughs> Ryan, of course, he's everything I'm not. And he's everything I am. He's the whole package. <laughs> <laughs> um, Michael's illicit love there. And maybe this is finally going to get him to realize that Ryan kind of sucks. Uh, you never really get over your first love, do you? <laughs> well, in any case, it, one thing I really liked, too, in this part of the episode is the whole to-do list. It's very, very good to kind of move things going, uh, move things along in the plot line. Uh, it would have been nice maybe to do a little bit of playoff, the getting things done trend, but that would be a really, really big nitpick, which I will state, but not All right, well, since I mentioned good continuity, Kevin, I do want to bring up something else that's a little bit negative uh, as far as continuity goes, but maybe it it can be explained away. Um, I don't have this in the clip, but one of the things that Pam and Michael are really excited about is, as you said, they get a letter on their doorstep addressed to the Michael Scott Paper Company, and they're like, ooh, our first letter, and they open it up and read it, and of course, it's a letter from the Condo Association saying, you know, you can't run a business out of your condo. Uh, you, you, if you, if you continue, you'll forfeit your condo and everything else. And that is a, a big blow right away to Michael and his, and Pam and their kind of thoughts about what they're going to be doing. Um, the only thing I want to say is though, gee, when have we ever had a business being run out of Michael's condo before? 
Do you remember a time, Kevin? Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, maybe if I had the right fragrance, it would bring us back the memories or there something. There you go, but sandalwood. That being, that being said, though, I don't think Serenity by Jan had a big old sign out in front of the condo, did they? Well, no, maybe it was a little more undercover. So like I said, I'm, I'm willing to <laughs> accept that, but it is something that I thought about as we were going along. Well, uh, so here we go. They go to uh, assemble the dream team, and first stop, good old Vikram. We got Vikram! You got me. Where are we going? We have a meeting with an investor today. Yes, we do. So, get excited. But I have to go to the bathroom real quick. He seems really confident. He can be. Confident. It's the food of the wise man, but the liquor of the fool. Hmm. I'm looking forward to getting to know you better, Vikram. I would like a pair of size nine, please. It's Michael. Swamps, Michael. Okay. Imagine a company that has no memory of your past misconduct because they have no files. It's taking a long time. Is, is it possible he's bowling? I mean, you know him better than I do. Yes. Yes, it's possible. Michael! What's going on? I... Hey, Ryan. Hey, Excuse me. Yes. This wasn't on the list. Yes, it is. No. Yes. It's not. It is. When did you add this to the list? Pam, everyone deserves a second, second chance. I So many good things in there that I really enjoyed just from that little clip. And this is what I was saying. I really enjoyed Vikram and his little line there about confidence as the uh, liquor of the fool. I really would like to have seen that dynamic grow a little bit more. But like I said, maybe he's just too much of a realist to fit into this crazy world. I really like that line. I like that little bit of fast play banter back and forth where uh, Pam comes in and says, this isn't on the list. It's not on the list. Yes, it is. When did you add this to the list? <laughs> right. I don't know. That was great. Um, I like the stuff. I like the little stuff with Vikram again where he's like, you know him better than I do. Could he be bowling? <laughs> and she says, yes. Yes, yes, he could. <laughs> I don't know. Just everything. It was uh, so perfect. And then Ryan's just total, you know, assholery there being uh, – gone from the the vice president of a major corporation to you know the shoe bitch in the bowling alley <laughs> well and i love the line everyone deserves a second second chance and you know imagine a company that has no record of your past indiscretions I mean, perfect michael knows exactly how to sell this to ryan yeah but if you think that ryan would still want that eight dollars an hour that he's making more than me uh the zero that he's going to get from Michael. 60000 a year, man. <laughs> That's good money in Scranton. Yeah, it is. It's a good good, good salary for a bowling alley <laughs> shoe boy. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, I mean, there's the setup there. They've got the dream team assembled. And now all that's left really is to go and sell it to the investor. And I got to say, Kevin, I don't, I don't think there's a sadder moment than, than this in this episode. So let's hear it. Okay, I have spent the last 15 years learning the ins and outs of the paper industry with a lean, mean fighting crew and low overhead. I think I can perform the same business at a much, much higher rate of profit. How do you expect to turn a profit in this economy? By wanting it more, by working hard. What's your mission statement? My mission is stated as follows. I will not be beat. Michael, I don't know about this. Nana, I really think that Papa would want you to do this. I'm not so sure. Well, what is it exactly? I mean, what, what specifically? We don't, it doesn't have to be paper. We could sell 
medicine and other. See, this is what concerns me. This isn't a handout club, it's an investment club. Okay. I love you, Michael. I do. Okay. But no. I mean it. No. So there we have Michael going to his Nana and her investment club for assistance there and getting shot down. And again, I don't have this in the clip, but I love that next line that comes up where Vikram says, Oh, what kind of a name is Nana? Oh, he means grandmother. And he says, I'm like, sweet Jesus. <laughs> and exactly. I mean, Michael is just so clueless and Here's the fact, or maybe people are saying this is a little bit cartoonish. Okay, here's someone that is rather totally incompetent, really is not prepared to run a business. And here we go. As Pam will say very shortly, even his own grandmother does not believe in him. I think that, though, I mean, he was kind of on message there for a while. It just He just got desperate for the money and was willing to trade his experience with the paper industry for anything to get that handout. This is a good callback to Oscar asking about the business plan and things like that. He really doesn't know anything about business. He just knows how to sell paper. Yeah. I think I think Nana asked a lot of good questions. <laughs> yes, yeah. she did indeed. Unfortunately, he's not prepared for that. Now, one of the things i got to mention, Kevin, is that, uh, again, is it continuity error or is it just his other grandmother that we're talking about? Because if you remember, in an earlier episode, Michael had talked about the fact that his grandmother sent him a birthday check several times a year. <laughs> so I'm assuming that this isn't the same grandma that sends him the birthday check. Or if it is, yeah, she's, she's gotten less smarter. Yeah, or her medication kicked in or something because, yeah, <laughs> she seemed pretty sharp. Michael panicked, and let's just face it. But uh, that's why he's got the dream team because they have his back. So, well, I not think. exactly. So Vikram <laughs> is, once he realizes that Nana is his grandmother and everything else, he's out. He wants Michael to drop him back off at the call center, uh, gives him some advice. Michael slams the door. He feels betrayed, of course. And even, you know, Ryan couldn't care less. He says, oh, do you have TNT on your TV? <laughs> That's his only concern. But Pam, the number one go-getter, the number, the, actually the only person who really matters to Michael, I think, uh, has lost all of her belief. I can't do this. I had a real job. I sat 10 feet away from my fiancé. I had health benefits. I was just feeling impulsive. I should have gotten a tiny tattoo on my ankle. I just keep getting bored, and I let things build up and build up, and then I, I do something too big, like this. We don't have any money. We don't have an office. We don't have anything. Well, we should make a list. Lists are good. How come out of everyone in the office, I'm the only one who went with you? Is it because I'm that stupid? I mean, your own grandmother doesn't even believe in you. I want you to listen to me because I want to tell you the situation that we are both in right now, okay? You quit your job, I quit my job. We both quit. So what are our options? Well, we can start this paper company, we can try, or that's it, that's our only option because we quit. Pam, I do my best work when people don't believe in me. I remember in high school, my math teacher told me I was going to flunk out. And know what I did? The very next day, I went out and I scored more goals than anyone in the history of the hockey team. See what I mean? I thrive on this. I thrive on it. So I'm going to go inside. I'm going to make some calls. I'm going to get us an office space and I'm going to show you why you joined this company. 
Pam's breakdown, we see that from her at the beginning of the episode, very positive, very in charge to hear at her lowest ebb, Michael has to step up, and he does step up in a wonderful way. I think that was a very nice speech. It's something I like to see from him now, whether that's competence or whether that's really, uh, you know, whether that is the liquor of the fool or whatever you want to say right there, I don't know. But it does enough to get Pam at least pumped up again, believing that she hasn't made a total ridiculous mistake. And one other thing I want to say about that speech that Pam gave there, I think, uh, one of the things, talking about whether this is cartoonish or not, Kevin, I remember one of the things that people criticized the earlier episode about was, oh, why did Pam quit? That was just stupid. Why would she leave her job? And here, it, I think they brilliantly spell it out exactly why mm-hmm. she quit her job, and it it makes you know it makes perfect sense. So I think they again the writers uh, somehow they've just <laughs> they've eaten their spinach or they've taken their medication as you said or something that uh, they're just on fire. Well, no, and that really explains a lot of her past actions with uh, relationships as well. And the whole going off to school thing, it was such a brilliant scene, probably probably the best dramatic scene ever on The Office, uh, especially non-romantic anyway. Just great performances for both of these guys, and Carell just, I, I felt inspired to jump on the Michael Scott Paper Company bandwagon <laughs> after that speech. I, it was just, I was like, it was getting dusty in the room, I was so ready to go, and it was just great. And I loved the shot there with Pam in the rearview mirror. You could see her face there while Michael was looking at her. I think that was a brilliant shot. And I really love this scene. Uh, you know, are you good? I'm good. That's just great. Exactly. The only problem is, if you think about it, I mean, that speech was total nonsense. <laughs> it made well, no sense. Uh, my math teacher told me I was going to flunk out. So you know what I did? I scored the most goals on the hockey team. Well, but I think that that, but see, that's that's that does explain Michael Scott. You know, I do my best work when people don't believe in me. We talked about that uh, on the client episode where Jan didn't think he could make a sale, and he came through in the clutch. Yes, he didn't maybe pass math, but he <laughs> had a challenge, and he did something great on the hockey team. And you know what? He's got some challenges here in his life. He's going to do something great. Maybe it'll be with Michael Scott Paper Company. Maybe it'll be someplace else. Hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll just have to speculate on that. So, <laughs> as you said, Michael then is motivated there. Pam's breakdown causes him to man up and step forward and do what he needs to do. Cause uh, old Billy at the office park gets the little closet storage area, emergency shower, whatever that is, and, uh, and gets that all set up. And, uh, well, I'll just let him explain. I did what I had to do. I stepped in. I took charge. That's what being a man is. And earlier today, I was freaking out. Pam stepped up. She was the man. Don't think a woman can be a man? Well, then that's your stereotype, not mine. I could work here. I could see this. It's right in the middle of the paper belt. Are you good? Yeah, I'm good. You good? I'm good. You know what they say. Keep your friends close. Michael, you're back. Yes, I am, Charles. Mm-hmm. Except this time you have no legal right to kick me out because I have started my very own paper company right here in the building. 
If I were you, Charles Miner, I would watch your step because the Michael Scott Paper Company is about to open a big old can of whoop-ass on Dunder Mifflin. Actually, a six-pack. We're going to open a six-pack of whoop-ass. You look scared. Six-pack of whoop-ass. That is a classic line. <clears throat> well, and then, of course, we're not going to talk about it, but he definitely does open the whoop-ass on Dunder Mifflin. That is for sure. <laughs> and I just, I, you know, that you could, you could see the fear in Charles's uh, eyes. I mean, no, come uh, on. It's probably... It's getting, it's getting me ready for that obsessed movie oh. coming out. But you know, I, I I really like that. The confident. I love confident Michael, whether he's confident for real or confident, you know, not for real. I, I'd much rather have the overconfident Michael than the bumbling, scared Michael that we saw with Nana. Okay. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll grant you that. One thing I have to say in that, though, I do like his standing up to Charles. I it, again, if you think about this, um. Maybe it's a little corny that they are back in the same building that uh, Thunder Mifflin's in, but you have to give that a pass, I think, because it makes it so much easier. You basically have everyone in the same space. They can still interact, even though they are separated. And, uh, you know, it does make sense, the fact that who else would Michael turn to for assistance but someone in the office park there. So um, good setup for the next episode. And as you said, uh, in heavy competition, we definitely get into more of that whole whoop-ass action. Let's go ahead and get into the office plot line then here. Uh, as you said, Jim, up to his same old antics with Charles Minor, uh, Andy's suck-up action is pure classic gold. So uh, a little bit of a mixed bag here, but let's just go ahead and get started with that. So, um, please stop that. What? You're breathing very heavily. This is high breathe. If you have a problem. Okay, Jim, help it. I need your eyes up front. Oh, no, I was just... No, hey, hey, I just want to hear it. Yes. Yes. Good. Oh, no. The new boss does not find Jim adorable. Oh. You a soccer fan? Oh, oh my God. I'm so embarrassed. Uh, you weren't supposed to see this. This is like my secret obsession. Oh, well, that makes two of us. No way. Yeah. I hate soccer. But guess who doesn't hate soccer? Charles Minor. I was actually in Germany for the 2006 World Cup Finals. Oh, you bastard. That should have been me. Yeah, I love the sport. I love the sport. All right, man. Cool. Yeah. I've never been a kiss-up. It's just not how I operate. I mean, I've always subscribed to the idea that if you really want to impress your boss, you go in there and you do mediocre work. Half-heartedly. So, classic Jim Wine right there, although it is rather reminiscent of some of the other uh, office space lines and some other things I remember from uh, uh, <laughs> from other sources. Like the there's a line from The Simpsons where Homer says, you know, if you don't like your job, you don't quit. Just go in there and do it real half-assed. That's the American way. So Jim has that spirit, obviously. I, we talked about that. Andy's suck-up <laughs> action, great. Um, and I, I think it's kind of funny the way it breaks down where he comes up with this idea to suck up and everyone else in the office latches on to it as well. Exactly. Um, I, You know, you didn't play much of the clip there, but I love that scene in the beginning where Charles is taking charge and he calls Stanley out on the uh, crossword puzzle. Very good. And again, that explains my uh, change in theory there. And, I, I, you know, you played the clip introducing me earlier, but I have to say this cold open with Kevin as the receptionist, 
one of the best cold opens ever. Just hilarious the way he was running around the office, and then such a great little twisty payoff there with Andy and his maid died. Uh, well, just love that. I don't know. That I thought that was a little weird. I guess maybe they didn't want to make it too serious. Like they couldn't say my mom died. I think that would have added a lot more punch to it, actually. But I suppose they didn't want it to be too much of a downer, so you know they had to remove it out to the maid. Oh, you can see everyone. Everyone's jumping around in the background. They're so happy, and they talk about his maid dying. That was just hilarious. <laughs> well, it was a great cold open, but still, I'll leave that for you to enjoy on your own. Uh, so there we go. Jim is once again getting crap from Minor. Dwight plays the spoiler, the guy who's getting Jim in trouble on purpose and really relishing mm -hmm. the role. And so here we go. Jim decides that while everyone else is sucking up, he is going to try his best to suck up as well. Whoa! And he just goes, boom! Yeah, that's, that's Pele. You know your soccer, man. I, I prefer uh, Maradona, uh, Diego Maradona oh, uh, yeah? from Argentina. Yeah. I didn't know we had so many uh, soccer fans in the office. I mean, to be fair, I was the first one to talk about it, but... Now, what about you, Jim? You a fan of the game? Oh, no. No, not really. No, it's not for everybody, I suppose. That's <laughs> <laughs> because I'm more of a player. Yeah? You bet. Really, Jim? I had no idea you played soccer. Because you never, ever talk about it. Well, I do. Wow. I play. You yeah. could be so modest somehow. Wow, maybe we should get back to work. Maybe you and Charles should kick the soccer ball around. Maybe we will someday. Maybe you will tonight after work. What do you say? It's a great idea, Dwight. Great ideas are just part of what I bring to the table. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't try and be anything that I'm not. What do you say, Jim? See you on the field, there, bro. See you on the field. <laughs> I can't wait. Yep, I used to play soccer in school. From second to fourth grade. I was on the orange team. And, uh, I, yeah, I was on the green team, actually, I remember. Oh, I played soccer for a, a lot when I was a kid. But, you know, I just love this Dwight thing, the way he's going on and on there. And he, he gets him to play the soccer match after work and really pushes Jim into it. I just love that. And, you know, I, the one thing that is maybe not quite so unbelievable here is that Jim would be maybe not such a good athlete with soccer and that he never played. I mean, we, we've already learned that he played high school basketball, and he seems like a really good athlete. seems like he would have played a little bit more soccer than that, or he could have said football was my sport, or I don't know, something. That part didn't quite ring true, but obviously it's a setup for later on in his ineptitude against the soccer pro Charles Meyer. Yeah, the soccer pro, the, the big match on the concrete out in the parking lot. Yeah. <laughs> it just seemed like a recipe for disaster right? in any way. In, anyway, your, it's in like, your dress shoes. Exactly. <laughs> All right, so let's see how that plays out there. My favorite part of the season coming up here in the next clip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you've not you you've been a big facilitator all these all this season, I know. So you must have been enjoying that scene. All right, well here we go. After work, time for the big soccer game. Gotta love Kevin's stupid little line here at the beginning. What positions do people play? Wing, Good. leg, Jim. What do you play? Left, forward, or half, forward, definitely. Okay, striker, huh? Striker. Let's see what you got in those legs? All right, let's do it. <laughs> all right. My strategy is to touch the ball as little as possible. Chalk it up to teamwork. All right. Get him, Jim. Jim. Come on, touch me, Jim. Oh, oh my God. Oh, my God. oh, wow. Jim, what the? Fellas, are you okay? Are you okay? No, I swallowed a crown. How'd you dunk, Jim? Yeah, what? Jim. 
Why would an experienced soccer player like yourself duck at the very last moment? Okay, I'm just gonna go get some ice. Does that make you feel better? Huh? I'm, I'm sorry, fellas. Oh yeah, Jim, sorry. How can he even say about this? It's like so ridiculous. This animosity that's built up between these two guys. It's just so manufactured. Uh, you know, maybe if it felt more organic, that it really came from something that I could understand. But it just, it feels so fake and I've never bought into it. And here we go again. You ducked. Oh, what a dick you are, Jim. You ducked when I was kicking yeah, the well, ball straight at you. Incredibly hard. <laughs> while you're playing soccer in a parking lot in your street clothes. Yeah, exactly. I completely agree with you. Definitely artificial. But that being said, you know, <laughs> if you're going to hit anyone in the face this season, I think oh, my nose. the right choice. So, you know, my nose. so kudos again to the office writers. Thank you. You've made me a happy man. <laughs> Giving Phyllis a little karmic payback, perhaps. For there the, you uh, go. Yep. Her, her, her uh, refusal to go with Michael. Before we get into the next section of the show, I just want to take a moment here to stop and talk about one of our episode sponsors today, audible.com. Now, Audible.com, if you haven't heard, is the Internet's leading provider of spoken audio entertainment, providing digital versions of tens of thousands of audiobooks for download to your computer and iPod or MP3 player. Now, I hit a lot of feedback from people that I know they have jobs, they listen all day, and they really depend on audio entertainment to get them through that drudge. Uh, if you can't get enough, that's what she said episodes. If you kind of get sick of podcasts, why don't you give Audible a try? You can listen whenever and wherever you want, just like the podcast you're listening to right now. Audible has over 50,000 titles to choose from. Every genre, Audible has it covered. Get a free audiobook download when you sign up today. This is the key here. This is what we're giving away for you. A free audiobook download today if you sign up for the service. If you're interested, if you'd like to check this out and get your free audiobook today, go to audiblepodcast.com slash she said and take advantage of that offer. Really appreciate it. Thank you. All right, so there we go. Uh, that's pretty much it as far as it goes with the uh, Dream Team episode. So let's go ahead and get into the Michael Scott Paper Company plotline. And then this follows right along from where we left off last week with Michael and Pam and Ryan walking back across the parking lot. I like that at the end there where they walk back in and uh, to kind of sneak in actually behind the game and, and Jim, Wayne, Pam going to make eye contact with each other. So here we are. Uh, it's a new day. The uh, the new morning, as you said, we get the we get treated to the new, very cool uh, credits sequence here as Michael welcomes us into the new office. I would like to invite you all to come along with me on a journey. Welcome. To the Michael Scott Paper Company. We are in the heart of it, and the surge of water carries our business out to the sea. What should we do now? We wait and hope that people show up to the pancake luncheon. I don't know. I think I've done absolutely everything you can do to prepare for the day. I've updated our contacts. I have gotten quotes from suppliers. I have sent out an evite for our big grand opening pancake luncheon. Six yeses, one maybe, only 11 no's, um, and 788 not yet replied. But of that group, 782 have viewed it. So you got to admire Michael's, uh, like you said, his confidence there. Uh, stoked for the big pancake breakfast. And the, 
that's a, a, a pretty funny running gag throughout the rest of the episode there with the flushing toilet. Uh, you can see the the water pipe in the background there. So every time, every time someone's in the bathroom, we hear that wonderful, wonderful sound and uh, smell. I'm guessing from Pam's wine <laughs> later on in the episode. Uh, I really liked also the cold open where Michael comes in at the car and he says it's Britney bitch. Of course, it's not Britney. It's Lady Gaga. So that was kind of a funny Michael Scott thing going on there. Of course, it's a pancake lunch, right? Who eats pancakes at lunch? Well, but who's going to be around for breakfast during work hours? You know? Well, I guess, but I don't know about you, but <laughs> the last place I want to eat my pancake is out in the parking lot. <laughs> well, I don't know, Mike, whoever, at whatever. Lunchtime. Michael's breakfast fixation, as you said from last episode, uh, from French toast to pancakes, maybe a, a burger grill off or some hot dogs or something might have worked a little bit, a little bit better. But you know, he wanted to make those square pancakes. Now, I gotta say, I gotta disagree with you a little bit on that cold open. I thought that was probably the weakest part of the episode. A lot of really kind of lame humor with Michael trying to park his car. Uh, you know, it couldn't parallel park in this fifty-foot wide space and. And then crams himself in between these two other cars and has to crawl out over the over the back. I mean, it was okay. It was just a little it, kind of stupid sort of humor, but we'll forgive that for now. As we get this set up, this is interesting here where, you know, Pam obviously quit to be a salesperson. That's one of her reasons that she gave for leaving. And here we have Michael is getting ready for the lunch and he gives every, has a coupon for a guaranteed great service. He wants one of these people to make him 800 copies, and uh, that causes a lot of a lot of problems here for Pam and Ryan. A little bit of a power struggle ensues. I make that one copy, and I become the girl who makes copies. And by the end of the day, I'm receptionist again. And the worst part is, I like making copies. The paper comes out all warm and stuff, and it's cold in there because it's technically a closet. Hey, Ryan, could you get to that copy from before? Pam's better at that stuff. That is so insulting. How is it insulting to say that you're good at something? Because the thing you're saying I'm good at is pushing a big green button a bunch of times. What oh, the hell? Listen, 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 listen. I need somebody to make a copy of this. Because I don't make copies. I'm the boss. I make originals. Yeah, I make originals too. Shut up. Stop it. Stop it. Bickering. Stop it. Not much. What's up with you? No, it's okay. I'm in the bathroom. Hey, you've been watching Damages this year? It's so good. Now you gotta tune in. It's as good as anything on HBO. Paint is blue, gold, tan. Did somebody just make the copy? Like a like a blue shirt. I don't wear a lot of colors, but I have a lot of tan. Uh huh. Just make that copy, okay? So this is brilliant. Really, a little bit at the end there, we get to listen to Flenderson's bathroom conversation and hear him taking a leak. Such a perfect character to be talking on the phone in the bathroom, too. Uh, you know, he's not my favorite character, but he's, he was used brilliantly in this episode. We'll hear him later. Yeah. And the Dwight storyline. But, you know, I just, it was so funny to hear him have that conversation. And, and I really love the bickering. I love Ryan in that scene. The, what the hell? And he's sitting there busy, whatever he's doing on the computer. Watching YouTube uh, or something. Yeah, exactly. So I, I like the whole brother, like you said, brother-sister thing. It's very, very funny stuff. So Pam sees this as a, you know, a fight for her soul, basically. She's not going to make that copy. And as you said before, we get that great visual gag there of the 
old Dunder Mifflin copier <laughs> that was thrown away that they scavenged for parts to put down there in their little mini office. That is going to go on the whole rest of the episode. And that's the thing, too. Kind of like last episode, we start off on a high note, and we, as, as the episode goes on, it kind of keeps sinking lower and lower and lower. So here they're in the office. So great flushing, sinking lower, you know. No one, you know, Pam and Brian arguing, sinking lower, Flenderson talking in the bathroom. How low can you get? I mean, from Michael right there, I'd have to listen to his arch enemy's pee talk. <laughs> That's just really sad. He's he's at his kind of again at his breaking point, really depressed and uh, and feeling sorry for himself there. Uh, and unfortunately, the bickering does not cease. Seriously. This is what's so important, putting naked pictures on the desktop. That's me and my friend Jasmine from Thailand. I don't want to look at your friend Jasmine's boobs all day. You could be hot, too, if you made any effort at all. Like how? Dyeing my hair blonde? This is from the sun. Oh, yeah, I bet. They're getting on my nerves, Mom. Both of them. R, I think he's too good to be here, and P is not as much fun without Jim. Michael, we can hear you. I'm on the phone, please. Mom, I'm going to call you back. He's being a giant bee. They always say that it is a mistake to hire your friends, and they are right. So I hired my best friends, and this is what I get. So Michael again, of course, missing the whole point of that piece of wisdom there about not hiring your friends. Uh, everything's kind of falling apart. More arguing, arguing back and forth. Just uh, I, I love, that, I love the conversation. They're all, all three of them. Well, I guess Ryan, I should say, has was also earlier talking on his cell phone and uh, complaining about Pam, talking about how she's a six in New York, but uh, maybe a seven in Scranton and oh, all these other things. Easily, easily an eight in Scranton. Come on. Maybe and a P, nine with fancy new Beasley. P's being a huge B. I don't know. You got to like that. <laughs> that was that a great, was very, great line there. That was very, very funny. And I don't have Sorry. this in the clip either, but uh, later on, Pam gets – really frustrated with the way things are going and leaves the office. We have this really stupid bit of conversation from Ryan. I don't know what you thought about this, but he uh, he basically gets into his argument system, like, I wish my iPod could make telephone calls. <laughs> and he says, no, 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 I don't I don't want an iPod, iPhone. I know what an iPhone is. That was a little bit of a random discussion there, I have to say. But like you're saying, he's really regressed to being kind of, he's not, he's not even a young adult anymore. He's back in teenage mode almost yeah exactly like we say he's got his mom that comes to pick him up at the end of the day to the station so. wagon <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think they're really hitting that hard all right well so michael pam's getting really upset and i think you know as much as michael is in love with ryan i think he really cares much more about her at this point um and wants to try to figure out a way they can all get along together and you know as much as he tries Unfortunately, uh, it just does not work, and Pam's had enough. That's my corner. I thought that was your corner. No, this is where I work. I can't relax in the same corner where I work. So my corner's the one with the copier? Pam, I don't make the rules. Hey, Charles. Hey, Pam. I know you're a very busy man, so I'll cut right to the chase. Okay. I'd like my old job back. I don't know what to tell you. The job's been taken. Um... Well, I could come back as a salesman. I have experience now. Or I could come back as your personal assistant. You know, sort your mail, set your appointments. I know all the people. Yeah, no. Personal shopper? No. Well, it was great catching up with you. And I'll see you around the building. Okay. 
I'm just going to sit here for a little bit longer if that's okay. The air smells so good. I don't remember it smelling so good. Chairs are so comfortable. Well, she did fight for those new chairs, so she better appreciate them, I have to say. I gotta tell you, I love this confident Pam, the way she's got this sort of fake optimism, <laughs> and we see it later on with the guy with the, you know, let me give you something better than a business card, a slip of paper. I, that that kind of sales vibe, I think she could actually make a good salesperson. I think she's got something there. I, that was a very attractive quality. I wanted to kind of you know, learn more about what? What is she talking about there? I really, really like that. Maybe I'm just in love. I don't know. Yeah, well, I'm, <laughs> I'm glad you transferred your crush over to Pam instead of Jim. Yeah, uh, but I, you know, it was a very important scene for Pam. You know, she's had all these uh, feelings of maybe she's made the wrong decision, and she finally, you know, once again she decides to go back. But now, of course, Aaron is in the in the office. She can't get her job back, so now she's got to really dig in. Michael Scott Paper Company. <laughs> yep, really lie in that bed that she's made for herself, definitely. All right, so Pam, like you said, Pam goes up to try to get her job back. No go. Back in the office, though, Michael has uh, a few visitors. Oh, hey, Stanley, Phyllis, come on in. We'll give you the tour. I get it. Do you need to see more? It's really cute. Thank you. You remember Ryan? <laughs> and Pam... <laughs> around here somewhere. She's upstairs talking to Charles. What for? Maybe the Michael Scott Paper Company was a huge mistake. I should leave. I should go and start my own paper company. That'll show them. Yeah, it's your free pinky. They are delicious. They are nutritious. They are complimentary. Hey, Pam. Hey. You sort of disappeared there for a while. Where you been? Yeah, I need to take care of some stuff. Yeah? That's as specific as I'd like to be. Well, at least you're still being honest with me. So Michael right there, you know, after Phyllis and Stanley tell him that, that uh, she's up talking to Charles, he knows what's going on, I'm sure, feels a little bit betrayed, uh, and probably for good reason, because he he also realizes that he doesn't want to be there, you know? <laughs> Doing Michael Scott Paper Company. I'm I, I'm gonna quit and go start my own paper company. That'll <laughs> show. Uh, the irony is lost apparently on on Mr. Scott, but he feels it all kind of crumbling down. His his pancake breakfast or pancake luncheon is really going nowhere. Uh, kind of reminded me of when he went to the high school gym. You know, he's sitting there by himself at the table, all alone. No one wanted to come and talk to him. So. Similar shot, similar kind of sad and pathetic view of Michael there. Hilarious stuff with Creed and Meredith, though, I have to say. It's just yeah. a great way to use those two characters. I didn't have that in there, but that was a great that is a great thing with Creed, where it's like, you know, boss, you got to make these rounds. Like, I'm not even going to take these. And he throws them back out of his coat pocket. <laughs> and Meredith takes them. Oh, I'll take them from my kid. So, yeah, great, great Creed bit. We haven't seen him in a while. One of our things we talked about was him being overused, and I'm glad that they've stepped back on that and realized that he is best used in small doses. He was in a deleted scene from the soccer game as well. Go check that out. As you mentioned before, then, what, we see one guy, one person that comes with a pancake lunch, talks to Pam. Pam kind of puts on the charm, gives him a little scrap of paper with her number on it, and... That's really all that, I guess, all that showed up. 
aside from Meredith and Creed. That must have been three of the six. I don't know who the other three people were that said <laughs> yes, but uh, but there you go. And uh, so Michael goes back and he's dejected and really just again thinking he's made a huge mistake and proves that he's the master of the metaphor here. I once had a dream that I was eating a peanut butter and tuna fish sandwich. And let me tell you something, it was delicious. So the next day, I decided to make that sandwich. And in real life, it is disgusting. And the reason I tell you this story, pick up the phone, just. Thunder, Michael Scott Paper Company, this is Pam. Oh, hi Russell from the Pancake Luncheon, how are you? Well, we'd like to do business with you too. How can I make that happen? Um, I can offer you free delivery on any order that you place today. Okay. 20 boxes? Uh, I can do... Just a second. I can do 20 boxes at $43 a box. Great. Okay. And I guarantee that you will be satisfied. Because your satisfaction is... Our guarantee. We guarantee it. We look forward to doing business with you, too. Thank you, Russell. Yes! I made a sale! You did it! Oh, my God! Yeah! We did (laughs) it! Yeah! 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 Who would have thought that the thing that would save this company would be work and pancakes? In the end, this day definitely had its ups and downs. I realized that we don't have the biggest office which is a surprise because 165 square feet sounds like a lot. But we have people with the biggest hearts. And I think for a small company, that is really... I don't know what to do about. That is really what's important. So there we go. As, as Michael says, the company is saved by work and pancakes. Uh, they get one order. And I want to put on the record then, Kevin, that Pam now officially has one more sale than Ryan has ever had yes (laughs) (laughs) and it's kind of funny while that's going on he's he's getting really excited which seemed kind of phony to me being how just he didn't care for the whole rest of the episode and seemed so out of everything and just not paying any attention to his job but uh he sort of came and got excited and it was just kind of getting in her way and she's pushing him out of the way and he's saying things like oh write it down (laughs) i don't know just giving useless sales advice there Yes, well, but that was a great moment for Pam, and, uh, well, yeah, I don't know, I, I give Ryan a pass on that. I mean, he's excited, there's a sale, maybe some things will start to happen for the company. Uh, I really like that last bit there, it was such classic office humor where Michael Scott is pontificating about whatever, and then the flush, it's just, I mean, it, it, we, we kind of knew it might be coming, but it was still great anyway. All right, well, I can't wait to see what happens next week. Well, we already know what happened in the next episode, but we'll get into that (laughs) in the next, that's what she said, episode two. So, all right, let's go ahead and go on to the Dwandy plot line. I'm I'm not going to ever give that up, Kevin. I got to say, loving these stupid conjunctions of the names. All right, well, this is kind of a weird relationship because the last we left off with these guys, of course, they were trying to kill each other with uh, a Prius. And... uh, (laughs) And here we are now that they've kind of formed a secret little friendship with each other uh, and are bonding over the fact that Angela has spurned them. And I'll just let Dwight explain really what that's all about. What do you think? Let me check. 
Oh, nope. Clearly a hunter. <laughs> knows how to throw an outfit together. Thank you. Yes, I'm taking Andy hunting after work. Not long ago, we were sexual competitors. I used to hate him, hate him, hate him, hate him. I studied him to figure out why I hated him so much. But that blossomed into a very real friendship, as these things often do. So there you go. It's perfectly explained. It makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, there was a funny deleted scene there with Jim that they showed a little bit of in the montage there. I like the hunter thing. I think that's kind of a good way. Uh, obviously, Dwight, very familiar, and Andy trying to blend in with whoever he can make alliances with. <laughs> uh, great technique, uh, again, for from Andy. And then, uh, you know, again, these are two characters that we haven't seen inter interact together, especially in a positive way, very much. So right. uh, a little twist here that actually worked out pretty good. So it is, a, it is some fresh material. Now, if you do remember from the duel, though, Andy's not... He's not a fake hunter. He does have that uh, light pigeon shooting rifle or whatever that <laughs> that he has. So he, you know, he, maybe he's not up for the heavy stuff, but I, I'm sure he and Dwight can have some fun out in the woods there together. Yeah, he's uh, not killing bears or anything, right? <laughs> well, maybe not. I guess we'll see what happens. So that's the introduction. You know, we were sexual competitors, but now we're buddies. And, and of course, they're going back and forth how much buddy-buddy they are. One of the big complications we've got, and we talked about, Earlier is that we have the new receptionist who comes in, and we have this little bit of business at the beginning where they're both named Kelly, you know, Kelly Kapoor, and the new receptionist, Kelly, and so she always has this weird scheme about trying to get Charles Minor to like her and everything else, so what happens is they both start to call each other by different names. The receptionist goes by Aaron, and so here we have Aaron, who is cute and attractive, I guess, Dwight for some reason is turned on by her a little bit of blood rushes to his penis as he says which again is much more peanut what's with the penis stuff with dwight this season during the blood drive we had the whole thing about him retracting his penis and her uh i don't know let's 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 shoot penis images please but he's attracted to her he tells her this wacky little fake ghost story uh about the prostitute that was killed in the dunder mifflin office and uh, and then Andy does this kind of like little dance with her as she's trying to go past each other to get out the door. You know, here is the fires are relit between the two guys. But uh, Dwight, you know, he just he really doesn't want to have that hold back their friendship. Listen, when I saw you talking to Aaron earlier, I noticed that your pupils dilated and your skin flushed. And I'm assuming a little bit of blood rushed into your penis. <laughs> Well, a little bit of blood rushed into mine as well, so where does that leave us? The last thing I want to do is step on your bunk, man. And I yours. So I will cede her to you. No, that's ridiculous. No, no, no. Look, you've been here longer, and besides, I'm a better wingman than I am a boyfriend, no, so... I just want you and I to hang out, you know? Just... Boom. <laughs> you know, the interesting thing about this, we talk about how this is a fresh new dynamic... We've never seen Dwight actually have a male friend of any sort before, so it is kind of interesting to see him actually being a nice guy, <laughs> you know, being magnanimous. I cede her to you, and uh, mm -hmm. you know, I'd rather hang out with you. This kind of stuff. Maybe it's a little fake because maybe he doesn't yeah. really mean it. He really, but still, I mean, it's the bromance brewing here. It's kind of interesting. I did like the scene with Aaron and Andy where he does that dance. I think whenever Ed Helms dances, it's hilarious. And I love the, the, the double take from Stanley when the penis is mentioned. <laughs> it's just a great little subtle joke there. So, I, you know, I agree. I, I like this dynamic. And 
I like you, you. You can never trust Dwight, especially after the last episode where he right. throws Jim under the bus. Is, is he being sincere? Or is he not being sincere? Let's see what happens. Yeah, and I think that they both did sort of mean it to each other. But the problem is that when they both mean it, uh, I mean, then they both really feel like they still. Have you know, if they both say you can have her, then they both feel like they can have her. So um, <laughs> when she comes in, again, they're kind of practicing. Uh, and I, when has Dwight ever been musical? Has he ever played a guitar before? I've never, I don't remember that ever coming up. Well, uh, he played drums in some band, right? Oh, wait, that was the rocker. No, sorry. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> so a new side of Dwight here, a, a musical Side where they're sitting around practicing a uh, little John Denver classic and turns into a battle for Aaron's soul, uh, but then it doesn't. Sorry, I like that song. You're good. You're good. Thank you. That was great, but it's just sort of. It's still a little choppy, like, but don't worry, it's hard. I mean, it took me a while, too. It's like... Okay. Wow. <laughs> what? Oh, my God, you heard that? I'm so embarrassed. I'm so, like, rusty. Good. you're really coming along. It's really technically proficient, but, you know, there's really no heart or soul in it. Really? Wenderson the buzzkill. <laughs> awesome. You know, I, the thing about that is kind of weird. Like, I mean, okay, they're finding any excuse possible to get Ed Helms' banjo playing skills integrated into the show. And I guess mm-hmm. I don't mind because I, in a corny way, like, I really enjoyed that whole thing. I enjoyed that yes. performance. And, you know, it, it, was, it was funny the way it played out that at the beginning they were trying to outdo each other to perform for Aaron. And then it just kind of broke down where they just didn't care about her anymore. <laughs> And she right, wanders right. away, and so it just becomes the two of them, you know, making music together. So, uh, good stuff. The thing is, you think about this now, they have the two of them. Now they have Kevin, of course, who's this grandnicity who can play. Um, you have Daryl, who can play the keyboard. So, I mean, they and should Creed. be, and Creed, of course, they should have a, an incredible jam band in the office there. Absolutely. I think it was funny the Andy, like, oh, I'm so embarrassed I didn't see you. Yeah. It's the exact same thing that he did with Charles Meyer, right? <laughs> it's like he's got one trick and he keeps playing it over and over again. 
And then, of course, the capper in this episode, you know, they're having this whole discussion about acapella music or whatever, and they walk by, and they're still together, buddy-buddy, and you see Angela roll her eyes because she realizes she's, like, left behind. I think that was a great little capper. Yeah, and I think, actually, it's much more clear in one of the deleted scenes. She says, Andy and Dwight friends, what could they possibly have in co- Oh. Exactly. <laughs> kind of realizes that, yeah. Well, I'm I'm really glad that they've dropped her at least this episode from the whole trying to compete for Charles Minor plotline. I really felt that you know I I really don't feel like it's going anywhere. So it's good to see her kind of out of that picture and just in that little bit there, getting her nose kind of rubbed in it. I guess. All right. Well, let's go on to the gym plotline and finish this whole thing up here. Basically, as I said, not a fan of this plotline. Really felt like it was a Seinfeld rip off so let me just go ahead and uh squeeze in the whole thing right here hey jim can i get a um hi <laughs> need a rundown of your clients can you get that to me sure yeah yep okay what the hell is a rundown when do you need that rundown by as soon as possible okay just get it right yeah gotcha of course i'm gonna dive in hey dude you know what a rundown is use it in a sentence uh can you get this rundown for me Try another sentence. This rundown better be really good. I don't know, but it sounds like the rundown is really important. Charles asked me to do this rundown of all my clients. Why don't you just ask him? No, what it, I can't. It was like hours ago. What have you been doing? Try another sentence. There's the rundown you asked for. I may have expanded some areas that you weren't prepared for. Great. But I faxed that to everyone on the distribution list. So that distribution list is going to be my... What's that? The one I have. I'll use the one I have. Faxing my dad a rundown. I did I like the scene there with Oscar and Kevin. That was kind of funny. Yeah, that was uh, the funniest it's, part. It's Oscar, Oscar always just seems to be the voice of reason, and you know, just he's really trying to do the right thing. He was in a sentence. Yeah. <laughs> what have you been but doing? The fact, but the fact that he didn't know either leads me to believe that this rundown thing isn't exactly the kind of no-brainer thing that Jim should have known or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, I suppose. I mean, what he doesn't have any contacts with anybody. Like he couldn't call some of the other salesmen in the other branches, or I don't know. He can't call Karen. <laughs> well, maybe not, but still, you know, he's he's got to have some other connections with some other people that he could maybe call and try to figure this out. But yeah, so there we go. There's the whole plot line, and uh, well, <laughs> nothing happened. Basically, the whole thing was kind of pointless. That's What She Said is brought to you by Netflix. With over 100,000 titles to choose from, including classics and new releases and TV series and plans starting at just $4.99 per month, it's a great deal. And if you go to netflix.com TWSS, you can get started with a two-week free trial. And uh, we talked about Netflix before on the show. It's a great service where you can rent DVDs by mail. You have the instant watch available for over 12,000 titles. It's really a simple service to use, but there's somebody who can explain a lot better than me. Uh, let's go to our friend, Kelly Kapoor. So then the next movie moves to the top of the queue. So number five becomes number four, number six becomes number five, number three becomes number two, et cetera, et cetera. And let's just say that I just sent back Love Actually, which was awesome. And they sent me Uptown Girls, which is also awesome. But guess what? Now I want to see Love Actually again, but it's at the bottom of the queue. Oh, no, what do I do? What I do is this. I go online, I go click, 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 and I change the order of the queue so that I can see Love Actually as soon as I want to. It's so easy, Ryan. 
Do you really not know how Netflix works? If you haven't had a chance to try out Netflix, this is the perfect time. Remember, no late fees ever, free shipping both ways, free delivery in about one business day in most cases, and of course you can cancel at any time. Remember that URL and sign up today to help support the show. Just go to netflix.com slash TWSS. Uh, any messages? Yeah, just a fact. Oh, Hammond is from corporate. How many times have I told you that there's a special filing cabinet for things from corporate? Yeah. Well, the waste paper basket. <laughs> <laughs> Why I didn't uh, want to get it? You put it in the garbage can that was a special filing cabinet. Yeah, uh, that was a joke. Well, Matt, this season's final episode of The Office is a milestone. It is the show's 100th episode. So, of course, congratulations to The Office team for achieving this milestone. 100 episodes is very important. What? When a show goes into syndication, and we have some news about that, NBC Universal Domestic Television Distribution is readying The Office for fall off-network launch. NBC's flagship company has been sold to local broadcast stations representing more than 93% of the U.S., including each of the top 50 markets. Those clearances, coupled with the cable syndication sale to TBS two years ago, brings the off-network haul for the office's initial syndication run, including barter and local station sales, to about $3 million an episode in line with the distributor's original projections. So this is how they can afford to pay all Steve Carell's high salary. Yeah, and you know, like I said, at this point, okay, it's been on TBS for a couple of years now. Now it's just going to be on your local whatever station uh, at 4 o'clock in the afternoon or whatever, 5 o'clock, on your, on your whatever syndicated station you might check. I, I probably doubt I will watch them. <laughs> At all in syndication, but whatever. Congratulations to them for getting that piece of cash, and uh, hopefully they'll keep the show going, as we know that they probably will, because they don't have much other choice. But uh, <laughs> all right, uh, one other news story, Kevin. I'm just going to make a long story, a long, long, long story, really short. The Screen Actors Guild has come to an agreement, so there will not be a strike. Case closed. <laughs> Pending final vote by the actors, of course. Well, yeah. Uh, well, it looks like Date Night will be Steve Carell's next film. The film revolves around a couple played by Carell and Tina Fey who find themselves in harm's way when a date night goes awry. The film will be directed by Sean Levy, who did Night at the Museum, and it, we are getting an all-star cast, including Mark Wahlberg, James Franco, Taraji P. Henson, Common, and Kristen Wiig, and filming is expected to start shortly. So look for that next year in theaters. Will Mark Wahlberg be talking to any animals? Next (laughs) new episode, Broke, will be airing April 23rd. Michael deals with early morning deliveries and financial strains. Michael's new company struggles to make those early morning deliveries while the office tries to get their expense reports in on time after Angela enforces Dunder Mifflin's policy. So there you go, some... uh, Again, some office business there with uh, Angela. I'm, I'm sure doing something to try to impress Charles by being a well, rules stickler. Well, he's been making a little references here and there about non-discretionary spending, so I suspect that will play off in this episode. And we'll see what happens with those deliveries. I don't know what can be uh, made in the back of Michael's PT Cruiser <laughs> <laughs> or, uh, or what. I don't know what that. what other choice we have, but... He could lease the Dunder Mifflin things from Jim on the weekends. That's uh, not a golden ticket idea. (laughs) 
Ha, you're thinking too small, my friend. All right. There are certain things a boss does not share with his employees. His salary, his bed, and I am not going to tell them that I'll be reading their emails. I got to erase a lot of stuff. Just so you know, if you have any sensitive emails, they need to be deleted immediately. I know. A lot of stuff. Okay, well, uh, feedback from episode 67 of That's What She Said on two weeks. Chris had this to say, sorry, that doesn't wash. Do you honestly believe that Mr. Drive-A-Car-Into-A-Lake, Michael Scott, can start and manage his own business? Well, do I really think he will? Not very successfully, but successfully enough, I think. Well, I, I think the proof is in the pudding in recent episodes, if you want my opinion. <laughs> All right, well, Matt. A long-time listener, Melanie, wrote, Thanks for the musical interludes. I love them. I was dying when Take This Job and Shove It started playing, and that song goes through my head a lot lately. Yes, Matt, I have to salute you with the Take This Job and Shove It, <laughs> probably one of your best musical interludes uh, ever. Like I said, who doesn't love a good Johnny Paycheck classic? All right, uh, a little tweet here from Boz Adventures had this to say, I believe you missed the fact that the copier was destroyed in the Super Bowl episode and they had to get a new one. Um, I don't remember that happening. Well, Jim was really destroying the, the copier, but if you look at the very next episode, the copier was right there in perfect condition, so uh, know, that is not true. destroyed. He did try to ram it through the door, I forgot. So, yeah, that, that yeah. leads more credence to our theory that that whole episode was just out of continuity. So, uh, exactly. And it had to be there, like you said, we figured it out this week why it had to be there so Michael could scavenge it out of the garbage pile. Well, Michael W. wrote via email, I'm surprised you guys did not point out that the Scotch and Splenda was a callback to Season 3. In the episode Cocktails, David Wallace offers Michael, Jan, and some other people scotch that was a gift from Leah Iacocca. When Michael takes a sip, he goes into a coughing spasm and asks for some Splenda. It always makes him happy when they do those little callbacks like that. Well, Michael, I did not recall that, but uh, good eyes on that exactly all right some feedback on the dream team episode uh blake mp tweeted this to us said that may be the best cold open punchline ever yes your maid died always a good source for humor well kate wrote these were both great episodes loved 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 the dream team episode some great laughs and the end scene between michael and pam was perfect pam's emotions and frustrations were so real and the way michael spoke to her was touching and honest it's a great episode when you find yourself laughing, crying, and awing all at one time. All right, and Greg A. had this to say. Uh, they were the two best shows this season. Highlight for me was Pam's reaction to the flash that Michael gave. She didn't screech and cover her eyes, but said with encouragement, we need to get you dressed. That was so funny. Maybe after she sees your tallywhacker once, she becomes acclimated to it. And it's a no bother for her to see it from then on. You have to admire that quality in a lady. Very true. Enigma32 wrote to TWSS Podcast Twitter, uh, both episodes were awesome. Probably my favorite of the season. I love the Dream Team. I love the Dream Team, too. Yeah, poor Vikram. I wish he'd come back. But, uh, all right, some feedback on Michael Scott Paper Company. Kyle has this to say, long-time listener, first-time poster. The major highlight for me was the Michael Scott Paper Company plot line. I'll admit, Nana was a little ridiculous, but had a good payoff during Pam's meltdown. Great reintroduction of our favorite fire guy and second episode, I think Ryan actually works a little better to me than he did earlier this season. 
The new title sequence was hilarious and great acting on all parts, especially Carell and Fisher. Uh, Scott wrote, I hope that Jim reaches out to David Wallace for some help with the dilemma with Charles before he completely sinks himself. David has always really liked Jim and knows he's a good salesman. Hate the return of frat boy Ryan. How dare he call Pam a six in New York and a seven in Scranton. <laughs> Would have liked to have seen Kevin and his drumming get in on the Dwight-Andy deal, but with the new receptionist, who I find very cute. It goes without saying that Charles is a loathsome character. Yes, mm. it does. All right, uh, and here's Randy to back me up on what I've been saying about Ryan. He says, is it me or are the writers having difficulty deciding what kind of character Ryan is supposed to be? He started off as a respectable guy trying to work his way up. He became a corporate wannabe VP douche, and now he's pretty much every bit of an annoying slacker the pizza delivery boy was, if not more. Writers, make up your minds. Hear, hear. Again, I'm chalking it up to the drugs. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, last listener feedback of the week from Kelly Joe. She tweeted to my personal Twitter account. Looks like your prediction was wrong. Jenna Fisher has not signed up for Twitter yet and is on the East Coast on the 18th. So, yes, I will admit when I was wrong. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's about going to do it for us this time. We're a little punch drunk here. It's about 1 a.m. for me. Uh, join us in about a week or so for episode 69, Heavy Competition slash Broke. Please send any comments or compliments to TWSSpodcast at gmail.com and visit the show blog page at TWSSpodcast.com. If you have a chance, please leave positive feedback on iTunes and spread the word in the various The Office-related forums. Every little bit helps. Music for this episode is provided by the Podshow Podsafe Music Network. Check it out at music.podshow.com. And remember to head on over to nbc.com slash the office during the week for additional deleted scenes, interviews, episode recaps, cast blogs, and more. And for Kevin Crossman, I am Matt Summer, and we are out of here. Never, never